reading from the letter to the Romans, chapter 10, beginning with verse 8. The Word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The Scripture says no one who believes in Him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Reading from the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, He was famished. The devil said to Him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship Me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a lot of things swirling through my mind and it's been like that all week. Just instances of remembering times when I have felt tempted. Like I wanted to eat that piece of chocolate on that valentine right here in the middle of church, didn't y'all? Some of y'all ate it because you're laughing. (laughs) Temptation. Seems like it's more intrinsic to us than the fact that we breathe air sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like we're tempted all the time? And then every time I read the word devil in the New Testament, now I can't help but think about the Waterboy movie. Any of y'all seen that? You don't have to admit it, I understand. It's a funny movie, but most people consider it stupid. But in that movie, all this little guy wants to do is play football, and all his mama tells him is foosball is the devil. 
Because she doesn't want him to be drawn away from her. She recognizes that him doing anything that might foster independence from her is going to be a bad thing for her. And I guess she figures for him as well. And I think that maybe that's what temptation does that's most, most harmful for us is it fosters separation between us and God. It fosters independence in us. Temptation encourages us to think that we can separate our behaviors from the desires of God for us. Think about the things that we're tempted with. In this story, Jesus was tempted to provide for His hunger. He'd been fasting for 40 days. I'm sure He was hungry. He was tempted to meet a basic need, but to meet it in a way that was beneath Him, that was beneath the character of God, and even more so would have been using who He was and the power of the Holy Spirit that lived on Him as a cheap magic trick to get other people's attention. And he was tempted with power, to gain power in a way that was separate from God's will for him. And I think maybe that that's the whole project of temptation, is to draw us away from being committed to Almighty God and to think that we are Almighty and that whatever we want is what matters most. At least that's what temptation does to me. When I was a teenager, my pastor was Mark's daddy. Reverend Jerry Phillips, who preached to you folks a couple weeks ago. And I can remember some of Jerry's jokes, and I can remember some of the things that he said. I don't remember very many, you know, real sermon point kind of stuff, but I remember this one joke he told at the beginning of a, of a sermon, and I would be willing to bet it was based on this same text. And it wasn't a joke per se, but a real story about a time when he had been sitting on a parishioner's porch talking with that parishioner about temptation and how things come at us in life sometimes that want to draw us away from God. And Jerry said that that person looked at him and said, well, you know, pastor, I never feel tempted by the devil. And Jerry said he thought for a minute, looked at him and said, well, maybe he's already got you. Maybe you've already been separated from serving God. I think that would be the only way we wouldn't experience temptation if somehow we had already given in to the world and decided to live for the world, decided to live for the accuser of humanity. That's what devil means. Dia means through. Balos means throw. To throw through. The devil's work is to throw accusations at us through our life. Think about what he did to Job. To throw through. To throw accusations through our life. To lead us to places that we would rather not go because we think they're going to be good for us. And so Jesus taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Because he knew that temptations come to us to make us weak. To weaken us and weaken us and weaken us until finally we give in and say, what the heck, I might as well do whatever I want to do. And we find ourselves in the bottom of a pit separated from God. Depressed, lonely, anxious about everything and unable to get up. Unable. 
unable to find ourselves again. Because the only way we can truly know ourselves is when we know the God who formed us. And so the devil seeks to separate us from God by tempting us into things that we will think are good for us. Why can't I do that? Everybody else does it. Why can't I have that? Everybody else has it. Here's the thing. What if every day when you turned on the TV to turn on the news, the report was the number of homeless people left in the world instead of the economy? Do you think the world would be different? I heard a startling number the other day. There are 40 million refugees in this world who are fleeing from violent dictators, governments that are seeking to kill them, other faiths that are seeking to kill them, people who are seeking to take their lands from them, to destroy them. 40 million. That's a result from people being tempted to think that power rests in us and forgetting that power is always a gift from God. That Every power comes from God. That God is all power and all power is rooted in God Himself. We have no power apart from God. But we're tempted to think that we can take everything into our own hands and make the world after our image. And to have all the things that the world says we should have when all we need is Christ. Temptation comes to us to steal our love of God. And replace it with a love of stuff, love of security, and love of power. Everything they're selling you on the cable news networks. We're tempted to buy into thinking that if we just vote for the right person, everything will be okay. If we just have the right retirement plan, everything will be okay. If we work 70 hours instead of 40 and abandon our families until we make enough money to be home with them when we're 60, our children will be okay. But we all know those things aren't true. That the more we chase after security and the things of this world, the more we abandon the things that God wants for us, which is for us to be holy and happy. To live in light and love. The good news is, if you don't feel tempted, maybe He's already got you. So if you feel tempted, chalk that up to as you must be doing okay. Because temptation will come. If temptation came for Christ, it will come for each of us. We will be tempted tempted to go our own way, to do our own thing, to achieve our own glory, instead of living for the glory of God. We will be tempted with that. We will be tempted with serving our flesh first, serving our bank account first, serving our opinions of ourselves first instead of thinking first of God and our neighbor. That will happen. You can bank on it. And you will come to somebody and you will talk about your problems. You will lay them out for them. You will tell them, I've got this going on, this going on, this going on. And they will look at you and say, well, pull yourself up by your bootstrap and get over it. And how in the world do we do that? Those are those times in life when you just want to punch somebody in the teeth, aren't they? I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to get up here and tell you, well, Jesus used the Word of God to fill off temptation, and you can just find something in here and say it, and everything will be fine. I'm not going to do that to you. Because that puts the onus on you. It puts it on you to decide to go through this book and find every little verse and every little thing that you can throw back at the devil so that you can be prepared at just the right time to throw it back. 
I'm not going to do that to you. What I want to remind you of is that Jesus was not alone in the desert. When Mark wrote his Gospel, the temptation is just a couple sentences long. And in it, he says that Jesus was driven out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But Luke wants us to know more about that. He wants us to know something that he believes is deeply important, and that's this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. Not just led into the wilderness, not just driven into the wilderness to be tempted, but He was led into that temptation by the Holy Spirit who stayed with Him and enabled Him to persevere. That same Holy Spirit lives in you, dear one. The same Holy Spirit who enabled Jesus to stay obedient to God, to press on in faith and trust of His Father, enables us to press on in faith and trust of our Father, knowing that He will not lead us into temptation, but that He will lead us through it. That's how we get over it. Not through our own strength, not by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but by remembering that sin is absurd. And not what our Father wants for us. Absurd is a strange word, isn't it? Everybody say absurd. Just even sounds weird, doesn't it? Like you might say, those pants he has on are absurd. Or look at those absurd shoes. Or what an absurd argument. And a lot of times I say that word and I wonder if I even know what it means. And here's what it means, you ready? It means irrational, silly, ludicrous, nonsensical. Absurd, ridiculous, and preposterous all mean inconsistent without reason or common sense. Absurd means utterly opposed to truth or reason. An absurd claim. Ridiculous implies that something is fit only to be laughed at, perhaps contemptuously. To say that sin is absurd means that sin is without reason. That sin is an obscene and crazy thing to do. That it doesn't make sense. And absurd comes from a Latin word that means out of tune. Sin doesn't make sense because it puts us out of tune with who God wants us to be. And so when we are tempted, we're being led to a plane out of tune. And being out of tune with God. How do we get over that? When we recognize that we're being tempted to something that is contrary to God's will for us. How can we get over it? I want to suggest to you that it starts with remembering that sin is absurd. That every time we face the desire to do something that we know is contrary to God's will to us, just to remember that it's ridiculous. That knowing God and serving God and loving God are better than anything this world has to offer. When Jesus defined eternal life, He said eternal life is this, knowing God. An abundant life, a full life, A life with all the riches it can have is a life that knows God as its center. When we feel tempted, let us remember that sin 
is an absurd invitation to be broken apart from God. And then, dear ones, remember that the same Holy Spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells in your heart. Through your baptism, the same Holy Spirit that was poured out upon Jesus is poured out upon you to see you through temptation, to empower you to resist it, even to the point of death as Jesus resisted, to be obedient to the Father. You are not alone. Even our Lord was tempted. You are not alone. The Spirit of God is with you. And will be with you in every weakness. And in every dark moment. And in every tempting thought. And so it's good for us to hear Paul's words of encouragement. To remember that all who call upon the Lord will be saved. And dear ones, if it's God's desire to save us, that must include to save us and deliver us from temptation. Remember that sin is absurd and that your God desires for you to be holy and happy and to know Him and to have your life in Him. And remember that God's Spirit is with you always. In every moment of your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.